0: You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.
1: Sex toy sales are skyrocketing because people want orgasms now more than ever. And Adam and Eve is here to help you with an incredible deal to make all your sexual dreams come true. They are offering my listeners the deal of a lifetime. All you have to do is head over to adamandeve.com Pick out one item. It could be anything you desire. Not only do they have sex toys, but they also have movies, lingerie, games, and so much more. And they will give you 10 free gifts. Yes, they are literally giving away 10 sexy surprises to boost your sexual pleasure. All you have to do is type in your code HOLLY, and you'll automatically get these 10 free gifts plus free shipping. That's holly at adamandeve.com. Hi. Hi. I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is the show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind the scenes stories the funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Today on the podcast, I have a European porn star turned evil angel director, Misha Cross. Misha is an award-winning performer who works pretty much exclusively out of Europe. And so we get a really interesting insight into the differences between porn produced in Europe and porn produced in America. We also get into the very topical subject of boundary violations and performer consent. And she kind of talks about how they have that issue even worse in Europe than we're experiencing here in the US. So that was a really interesting topic. Misha also discusses how she feels about the age at which you should actually enter the porn industry. And we have some really fun behind the scenes insight into the big digital playground Star Wars parody, which is kind of famous for the intensity which that feature movie required of the crew and the performers and just what an incredibly huge and difficult undertaking that movie was. So this is a really fun interview with somebody who is very experienced, um, very intelligent, and just a lot of fun. So I hope that you enjoy my interview with Misha Cross here on Holly Randall Unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Today, I have a very special guest coming all the way from Poland for us. But before I introduce her, I want to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Manscaped, who's been one of my longest running sponsors. We appreciate you so much here at Holly Randall Unfiltered. If you didn't already know, Manscaped is the number one electric trimmer for below the belt grooming. They have come out with the Lawn Mower 3.0, which is a revolutionary trimmer that will not nick or snag your precious balls, but will leave them hair free, much to the delight of your partner or partners, depending on, you know, how busy uh, you are these days. So make sure that you go to manscaped.com, use code Holly to get 20% off plus free shipping. So now we are going to introduce my guest. My guest is performer director and just all around badass boss bitch Misha Cross.
0: Hi. How are you? I love this. I'm very good. Thank you.
1: Can I tell you that how impressed I am that you have like a real mic right now that you're using for this podcast because oh. <laughs> These remote podcasts, yeah, they've been really difficult for us because, Mm -hmm. you know, normally we're in the studio and we have all the equipment. People just walk in, we interview them, and everything's, you know, set up and looks great. Yeah. But with these remote podcasts, I have to rely on whatever technology my guest has. Right. And a lot of times they don't, you know, have, like, an external mic or an external camera or anything like that. So we've had some episodes which haven't been, like, the best sound quality. Mm -hmm. So, like the fact that you have a professional mic, I'm like. I'm yeah. Excited. But I
0: think like also during the quarantine, people actually bought a lot of shit because they, yeah. they needed that. Yeah. <laughs> like before COVID, we we didn't have anything. Like I didn't even have a webcam because <laughs> I didn't really? that. So now we yeah, have a mic. I have a, a Logitech webcam. It's like, also my boyfriend's doing some um, YouTube videos, Instagram videos. So he has a lot of gear. So I'm always borrowing <laughs> from him.
1: Yeah. yeah. Good. (laughs) So how has, because I haven't had anybody from Europe Mm -hmm. on my show um, lately. And so how has the whole COVID quarantine thing been for you out there? Because I know it's different in country to country.
0: Um, Yeah. So like the last time that I was on the professional set was in January. Mm. Because um, how we do it in here is we have to travel all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I don't work at all where I live. I would mm-hmm. have to go to um, Spain or Hungary or Czech Republic to shoot or, or, or France or UK. So um, that pretty much put an end <laughs> to all the traveling and all the work. Like I know that people are starting shooting right now, but you still cannot travel. So like this is all like domestic shoots, like wherever they mm-hmm. have the industry going on. I know girls shooting in Czech Republic or in Hungary, but they cannot travel. So yeah this is very very limiting.
1: <laughs> right, right. And how have the like how is it for you just even going outside like do you guys have cuz it's so crazy cuz LA is so LA sorry. The United mm-hmm. States is so divided. Mm-hmm. So certain right. states are behave very differently than other states. Even like certain cities within the same state behave differently than other cities. So like yeah. here in Los Angeles, especially in the city, they're very strict about wearing face masks at all times when you're outside of the house. Mm-hmm. We've just started opening restaurants, but you have to wear a face mask walking into the restaurant. Mm-hmm. You can take it off at the table, but you have to put it back on to like mm-hmm. walk to the bathroom. Whereas in other states, it's, you know, they pretty much never close down and it's just mm-hmm. like a free-for-all. So oh. what's it like in Europe? Because, I, you know, obviously we've heard like how bad Italy was hit mm-hmm. and I believe Spain as well. So,
0: um, yeah. So like Europe is pretty much the same as America. Like we also have different countries in Europe. So like yeah. every country has their own um, policy and laws regarding COVID right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and, um so basically what I know, what I hear in the news is that um, Italy is opening, Greece is opening, Spain is open. Like I even looked up uh, holidays in uh, Tenerife for mm-hmm. August. Like they're all open. All the shops are open. Uh, it's pretty similar as in America that wherever you go out, wherever you go to the grocery store, pharmacy, mall, you should put a mask on or like whatever you use a uh, public transport, you should put a mask on. hmm other thing is, um, you know, there are people who, who believe in like in COVID and there are people who don't believe in COVID. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I believe you have oh, yeah. those people also in, in America, right? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. So like,
1: yeah, we sure do.
0: That's the main difference. Like, it's not even about all the, all the policy regarding COVID. It's about like how many people believe in that, how many people are, are not believing in this, in this. So mm-hmm. Because you know, like I have friends who uh, say I will not put a leash on me or something. I will not put a mask on. Uh, I don't have any friends who are suffering from COVID. Like I don't have any anyone who who died because mm-hmm. of COVID. So, um, so this this is the main the main thing. Like those who believe in that and those who ask questions and are full of doubt.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get like the conspiracy theorists, and right. you get people who think like it doesn't really exist. And there's yeah. also, you know, the idea that they're trying to develop a vaccine, which is really just a cover for like trying to implant a microchip into everybody so they can. Track oh yeah, <laughs> every. <laughs> I mean.
0: Well, I, I am a big fan of <laughs> you like conspiracy theories. I really? love it because they're very interesting and. Mm. Well, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of that. So it gives me like another dimension to things. And like, it also keeps me very open minded. So it's not like whatever they say on the TV or whatever someone yeah. from the government says that I believe and I have no doubts. Like, I like to ask questions. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think you got to pick kind of a middle ground. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's, you know,
0: like, you need to be kind of, like, sceptic, but but not, not like you don't believe in that, but you need to be kind of, like, you need, you need to, to ask questions, questions
1: right? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. politicians are full of shit. Right, yeah. For sure. But then <laughs> and everyone also, knows that. We
0: can all agree on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I also, too, I don't believe that, like, 5G um, makes, gives you COVID or whatever the other conspiracy
0: uh, yeah that's that's a little bit too much even for yeah me. <laughs> yeah
1: so there's different levels i guess of conspiracy theories right. i don't know right. i i personally don't pay a ton of attention to them because i find them to be a little exhausting and just kind of ridiculous i just try mm-hmm. to be reasonable and generally just follow whatever laws i have to follow and um, oh yeah you know think about other things in life so Right. Other things like porn. So let's talk about porn, because that's why we're here, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's um let's start from the beginning, Misha, how did you get into the adult industry? Uh, I
0: got in the industry, I I thought it was I think it was 2014 or late 2013. So that's almost seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just funny because like when I got in, I was 23, so Mm -hmm. I believe I was old enough to, uh, to know what you were doing. Like that's another Mm -hmm. thing that actually is interesting to discuss that like the age, you know, what is the proper age to,
1: to yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of controversy (laughs) over that. And a lot of people have very different and very, um, strong opinions about that.
0: Yeah. Like my age was like perfect for me. I would even say like, you should be like 24, 25 to join. I don't know. Like Mm -hmm. I'm weird about it, but like, yeah, I was 23. Um, I was working before. Like I I had uh, lots of different jobs. Uh, I was a student. I graduated sociology and photography. Um, So like, I always knew I want to be in the, in the entertainment industry, Mm -hmm. but well, I'm not tall enough to be a model. (laughs) Also like, I was like, I, I'm not maybe as good as an, as good actor to be like a mainstream actress or something. So I was always fascinated by porn industry. Um, and then I just decided like, I'm going to give it a try. And i just started sending those emails to all those agencies in Europe and they got back to me. They're like, Oh yeah. You know, like they, they get back to everyone. Let's be honest. Like I was sending them pictures and they're like, Oh yeah. Can you come to a casting or something? um and then one day i emailed pierre Woodman because Mm -hmm. i found on his website that he is uh he he said something like um if you want to be a porn star email me or something like that Mm -hmm. like obviously i want to be a porn star and i emailed him and then i actually did my first scene with him uh which i wouldn't do right now (laughs) but that was my (laughs) beginning
1: There's been, I've heard mixed reviews about Mm -hmm. that guy. My mom, it's funny, back in the day, my mom was always very jealous of him because she said that he was the ultimate cum shot king, I think is what she called him. Like nobody could capture a cum shot in midair the way Pierre (laughs) Woodman could. Like I'm talking like photos. And he was always really good at that. My mom was always like, how does he do that? Like That's my earliest memory of Pierre Woodman. And then I've never met him. Um, and then I've heard some mixed reviews from girls about him. So what was your experience?
0: Well, uh, you know what, like from, from a perspective of a, of a 23 year old, um, Mm -hmm. well, I, I thought he was my friend. Uh, he got me into the business. He helped me a lot. But that was also very, very sneaky behavior. Like, this is the first time mm-hmm. that I'm actually saying this. <laughs> Ooh, so, yeah,
1: exclusive. so interesting
0: stuff. But, like, obviously, he knows what I'm feeling about him. Like, we're not talking. Like, we haven't been talking for, like, five years, I think, already. So okay. um it's fine. But, yeah, but, like, um a person who I thought was my friend who tried to help me was actually using me emotionally if you know what I mean like my be- my beginnings in porn have been very very tough very tough um nobody wanted to book me uh nobody wanted to like hire me or, or even no agency wanted to represent me just because I had tattoos and okay Europe, I was gonna
1: ask why because mm-hmm. you're a good looking girl but yeah tattoos can tattoos, be and that's like yeah. no
0: no especially in Europe because mm. the European type is um you know this sweet girl like, preferably no plastic surgery.
1: Um, Yeah, very natural natural. looking. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Right,
0: Uh, which is weird because in Europe, we're shooting so much hardcore scenes, like anal scenes and everything. So, like, this was just weird to me. Also, when I I thought about joining porn, like, I was speaking to people and they all said, like, oh, my God, you're going to be so successful from day one because you look like a suicide girl. And I was like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, actually, it turned out, to be a big disadvantage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, life. Um, so yeah, like he was the, 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 actually the one person that, uh, emailed me back and then kind of like, uh, helped me to get through my beginnings and mm-hmm. helped me to get recognized by companies and agencies. But that was not all for free. Like he was kind of like, he was being like, um, can I say manipulative? Like, you know what I mean. Like, he was like, "Oh, yeah, I got you into the business. Um, you promised me uh, you're gonna only do anal with me. Like, you're gonna, ha- I'm gonna have your anal. You know, in this business, like when one company has someone's anal, yeah, you're exclusive, okay. exactly, exclusive. Um, so that was like very disturbing to me. And then also a few things happened that just made me realize, like that he is not really my friend, like he's one of those predators. And also all the other stories of the other girls, um they are all the same. You know, <laughs> they're all the same. Yeah like, the big story with uh Elsa Jean, right? Or like with Lana Rhodes as well. So
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I heard the Elsa Jean story, but I I remember the Lana Rhodes story, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: remember that I was actually uh DMing her on Twitter about when she was she was in Budapest. Yeah. Mm-hmm and she was just like, yeah, like basically saying that she's not feeling comfortable. Um, she just wants to leave. That's why she left, and she never came mm-hmm. back. She just didn't feel comfortable with him. So mm-hmm. yeah, like I was with him for like a first year of my career. We, we were uh, we were taken with him everywhere, like to Valencia for convention shows, to Bucharest for another convention, even to Berlin. But it was just like you knew you have to be nice if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like it's not just um it's not a nice guy who means well for you it's like well he takes you uh with him but he wants something in return
1: right for example like or like so
0: you know like he knows so many things about you um, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just scary. So I've kind of like, then I went to LA the first time and, um, he was mad at me about it that I like shot with so many companies and I, like, I forgot about him and I should be grateful for everything. Um, and even like on his forum, like he has this forum, woodmanforum.com <laughs> and he was just like talking to all his people. To all his guys, they're, they're like basically they worship him like God. <laughs> so right. he's always right. He's always right. They were right. talking about me like, oh, Misha forgot about you. She's this and that. So like I read that and I made knew, you like, no, I'm cutting ties. Like, yeah, no way. Yeah. So that was my beginning.
1: <laughs> it's crazy to me how people have that sense of ownership over other people Mm -hmm. that, you know, they helped you get your foot in the door of an industry and therefore you owe them your gratitude and everything for the rest of your life. Like we all got somewhere with the help of somebody at some point, right? Right. Right. And yeah, one can be grateful, but there's a difference between being grateful and being kind of a slave Slave, to them Mm -hmm. because of you know, the fact that they helped you initially. And I just, yeah. And also, I
0: I think it was also because he knew that I struggled in the beginning. So, and he knew how much I cared about it. So this is, this is how people use people. You know what I mean? When they see how much you care about something, uh, they see it as, um, as something they can take advantage of. Right. Mm -hmm. So he saw I was like vulnerable and I really cared and I was hardworking. Um, so he was like, yeah, you know, it's going to be okay. You just need to trust me. It was just like, oh my God, such a predatory yeah. behavior so much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, earlier when we were kind of going over mm-hmm. back and forth about topics before we started, you know, obviously there's a lot of conversation around boundary violations and consent in the adult industry. It's mm-hmm. been a topic that's been of concern for the last I would say a couple of years, but it's taken, it's kind of reached new heights within the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And you mentioned that you've experienced some of that as well. Is that specific to what you just talked about or are there other experiences that you've had and, and what have you learned from those experiences that maybe you could pass on to newer talent Mm -hmm. that could help them avoid going through the same thing?
0: Yeah. So that was one of this, well, one of the situations, like multiple situations, but like I am thinking about it as just one situation, just right, with, right, including right. one man, right? Right. Um, but there were a lot of, but like I just, I don't want to be giving a bad name to the industry as well, uh, because this happens everywhere like you know, all of the industries, but it is important for us to talk about it because if we don't talk about it, just because it's porn industry and just because people think that, uh, our industry is, uh, just, you know, a shady place, a really, really bad place. Uh, then we're not going to change anything. Like we need to talk about it because this, this stuff happens everywhere.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, by being quiet about it, you're allowing the, predatory behavior to right. continue because right. it's being buried and it's being hidden. But right. by coming out and using, you know, the power of the performer and using your voice to point those people out, we can push those people out of the industry. Cause mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like you said, like you said, like it, it happens in every industry. And also too, you're right. We have been talking a lot about the bad things that have been happening, but there are also wonderful, wonderful people in this right. industry. There are wonderful directors and producers, yeah. companies that really care about the girls. So, you know, if we can kind of cull the herd a little bit mm-hmm. and get rid of some of the predators, then we can really open up space for, you know, the ethical companies to continue working.
0: Right. So uh, I was, I was lucky enough not to have any major bad experience as we have seen on Twitter recently last yeah. like past two weeks, we have seen some really, uh, really hardcore stuff. So mm-hmm. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough not to be a part of any real hardcore, um, issues on set, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, like smaller things, uh, smaller things that stay in your head somehow. And then you realize how much impact they have on your life. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, like shooting for companies uh, who who put you to do a scene with someone that is on your no list, even though they knew
1: you wouldn't work with that person.
0: And then so what
1: happens? You show up and it's someone that. You, yeah. And there is
0: just someone who then, I specifically said I wouldn't work with. And then it's like, oh, we couldn't get anyone else. So what do you want to do? That's what happened to me many times. I remember one situation um, when I was, uh, well, I'm not going to name names because I don't think it's as serious. So I need to like warn people. But like Mm -hmm. one of the situations was I was shooting in UK and well, I arrived, I I, I took a flight. I arrived on set. I was, I was exhausted, tired. And then uh, the guy was picking me from the hotel to the location. And I'm like, okay, so who am I working with? (laughs) Obviously, I need to like, I need to ask before shooting a scene, like five minutes before, because nobody tells me, this is how it works in Europe. Like, nobody tells you who you're working with because they don't think this is relevant information. Right. So I I just wanted to be like, you know, um, who am I shooting with? And uh, the guy, the director says, oh, you're shooting with this and that. And I'm like, "Um, but you know that, well, I said I cannot work with this guy. Like, he is too big for me Mm -hmm. let's just put it this way like i have major problems shooting with this guy and he's a nice guy but you're not gonna get a good scene by putting me with him this is Mm -hmm. like i am telling you because you're gonna be screwed after Mm -hmm. and uh he was like oh you know know, he's gonna be very gentle with you uh you'll be fine you'll be fine you're a top performer i'm like okay but it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Like, what do you mean? I'm a good performer. I'm a good performer, but like, I know my body. You know what I mean. I'm not gonna. Let me. <laughs> nothing's let me guess. This,
1: let me guess. This was a man who was telling you this. <laughs> of course.
0: Of course. It was yeah. A men.
1: men no like, people, idea how
0: a vagina works.
1: It, that's what I was gonna say. It's always people without a vagina who are like, "Oh, your vagina will be fine. Like, no, you I mean, won't you have you're any problems. Like,
0: play with it a little bit and. We'll,
1: dude, you don't own a vagina. <laughs> like, yeah, you have no idea.
0: Right. Like, I. I've been carrying my vagina for 30 years. <laughs> like I know how it works. <laughs> so I'm pretty much aware of um, what penises can go inside of it. <laughs> yeah. And this one is not entering it. So yeah. uh, well obviously the question was okay so what do you want to do? You want to fuck up my day or you want to do the scene?
1: Yeah. Um, well and we you started traveled to- all that yeah, way I traveled, I traveled
0: yeah. for like to do two scenes. I traveled for two days to do two scenes obviously I just wanted to do it. I was like, okay, let me just try. Um, and I remember I was, tr- I was like, I did a blow job. And then obviously with the first position that was, uh, I was like, okay, let me just choose something comfortable for me. Um, I don't know, cowgirl or something. So I can just stretch it out. I remember I, I was trying so hard for like 10 or 15 minutes to put it in. And, um, I started crying, but like crying, not like, you know, like I have been very, uh, like I've been raped crying. No, more like I just can't do it. I felt stressed. Like
1: frustrated crying. Yeah,
0: frustrated, pressured. Uh, I was like, I just, you know, I cried because I didn't know what to do. I was just so stressed out. And the guy <laughs> looked at me with the camera in his hand. was just it's like, okay, let me know when you're ready. <laughs> and I'm like... Like, basically, my vagina is crying for help. I cannot do this scene. So, we didn't do this scene. I was like, look, like, do you want to see the inside of it? Because it's pretty bad. I don't even know if I'm able to do the second scene. So, this kind of stuff, you know, it happened, it happened to me, uh, let's say at least like four or five times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so, um, it, it really pisses me off when directors, producers don't care about what you're saying. If you're a woman, this mm-hmm. happens so many times, especially when you're when you're a woman, because men, uh, men can be divas. Let's put it this mm-hmm. way: because he needs to come right by the end mm-hmm. of the scene, and he needs to be comfortable. So mm-hmm. they always complain about, "Oh, this position is not good for me. I'm not going to come in this position. I just want to say, like, no one cares." Just do your fucking job.
1: You know what I mean? Like how like what people say to you.
0: Yeah, just just exactly the same situation. Uh and they're always like, oh, I'm too cold. Oh, I'm too hot. Oh, I am sweating. I'm not gonna be able to come. Like, honestly, 80% of the time. And I'm just like, oh my god, even even like when I'm shooting at home, obviously with my Snapchat dick, that is my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. he's always like he's such a diva like men are divas like we're doing a a scene i've seen a video in the shower he's like i'm not gonna lay on my back it's wet and dirty and i'm not comfortable and i'm like oh tough shit right so yeah this, this drives me insane like how we prioritize um men's um well-being over women's and and women make more money in porn so they should be a priority right like we sell movies, so
1: yeah i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know you need that pop shot in order to close the scene because porn scenes are all about the male orgasm not the female orgasm which is another you know right topic for exploration all in itself Mm -hmm. and the men are dealing with a very temperamental appendage, which may or may not work. Whereas we can just slap lube on there, but yeah, you're right. It's a difficult job. And that's why I personally very picky about the guys.
0: Good. (laughs) You should be.
1: Yeah.
0: You should be just to save yourself some, you know, bullshit. Yeah. I remember once, um, I was doing a big feature, and that was a very, very long day. I think that was for Digital Playground, like a Star Wars movie or something. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. yes, I've shot Digital Playground movies, and they are very long, very yeah, long days.
0: Very long days, especially the also features
1: are <laughs> long days in general. Yeah,
0: but like also in Europe, like you you need to add the traveling. So like yeah. I I'm already tired when I'm when I'm boarding.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So like. Then, obviously, everybody comes from a different country, so um, uh, we arriving the day before, we are checking in our hotels, and then the day starts usually 8 a.m. for makeup. And mm-hmm. that was a big feature uh, with, with crazy makeup, a Star Wars party, so, like, obviously.
1: And I remember... Oh, God, <laughs> was that the one? Because I know that they did one fuck did they send Arya alexander out for yeah, that one yeah and, Eva <gasps> and she did get yeah oh my god yeah, well oh, i heard about this one and a bunny yes yes oh my god yeah. i remember he didn't like the makeup yeah i was maybe i was yeah. talking to, I was oh talking god, to say, I the makeup so took like eight stories. hours yeah. eight to nine hours yeah. just for makeup i have so many stories mm-hmm.
0: about this shoot. that was like the best thing ever because there's just so many ridiculous stories coming out of it so like the makeup took forever and we were um four or five girls it was Eva lovia Ari alexander me i know it was ella hughes but i don't know if she was body painted and i think someone else so like in the same time (laughs) body painted we had three makeup artists but only one of them was doing the um you know, this kind of, uh, how do you say, like a sci fi? Special effects. Special effects. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. This way. So that was a long day. And also, we were shooting um, outside London, like in an abandoned prison or something. And that was not summer. <laughs> so it was very, very cold. No hitting whatsoever. Um, so I remember we started 8 a.m. and then we finished. I think around midnight, Mm -hmm. they were shooting like two sex scenes, I think, and also uh, some acting. And I remember that my scene was obviously the last one, obviously anal scene. Obviously the last one. So
1: you have to – so for those people who don't know, generally when you do an anal scene, you don't eat Mm -hmm. all day. And a lot of times you don't eat the day before. Yeah. So for you to have to do an anal scene at the end of what sounds Mm -hmm. like – what eight to twelve? Eight. To well, midnight. we started shooting
0: nine thirty p.m.
1: Right. <laughs> oh, so,
0: Jesus. yeah, like doing an enema the night before, um, maybe eating just a little tiny bit of bread in the morning. That's it, and mm-hmm. some gummy bears and a little bit red Bull, Uh That's it. That's my diet. Two thousand calories. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so yeah, but that's how it is, and I, <laughs> I remember like. Going back to the to the man topic, a man's mm-hmm. ego. Um, I was shooting with this guy, and it was a it was a threesome. It was a threesome with Ella Hughes, but a threesome that she was not really doing anything. She was like, I was supposed to lick her pussy, but I was the one who was getting fucked.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I remember the guy was. I think he was also tired, as everybody, you know. But it's important yeah. that he was tired. Yeah. (laughs) And hungry. And, um, I just, he couldn't handle the scene. Um, so he was like going to my partner. He was going to this other girl to go down on her every time. Um, he tried to fuck me, do the anal scene with me. And then he couldn't do it. Obviously his dick wasn't hard. Um, and then he went on her, he got down on her to lick her pussy to get himself hard again. And I remember I got so pissed. I was like, This is a little bit disrespectful. If you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. like that, you you actually need to stimulate yourself more. Uh, like your, like your penis is in my ass. That should do the trick. I guess. I don't know. And I felt like I took it very personally. I was like, Oh my God. I can't believe this. And I remember this guy said to director that he's not doing this scene with me because I am being very rude, uh, to him and he doesn't even want me to look at him anymore. (laughs) So yeah, like he was very tired. He was on set all day, obviously. So that's another thing. And everybody obviously was like on his side because they needed a pop shot.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's a thing. It's it's such a delicate balance when you're dealing right. with the guy because it's like you have to cater, you kinda have to cater to the guy so that he can yeah, finish you, the scene.
0: Yeah, you need to be very nice to them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: That's, yep. that's funny.
1: All right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we're going to come back, we're going to talk about you crossing over to the other side Mm -hmm. of the camera and doing some directing. Okay, guys, hang Mm -hmm. on. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, I'm Molly Stewart, twisties treat of the year. And you're listening to Holly Randall unfiltered sponsored by twisties. Twisties is a leading glamor porn site for exclusively lesbian and girl, girl content. Since starting my journey with twisties, I have shot some incredible scenes with some of the best girls, making some truly amazing fantasies come to life. For 18 years, they have featured the biggest names in the industry, recently rebranding to exclusively female content. Twisty stays focused on raising the bar of what modern porn looks like, while highlighting the up-and-coming talent of our generation. Their Treats of the Month and now Treat of the Year give viewers a taste of what their favorite girls are like under the wrapper. My journey since being their treat of the month in January of 2018 has been incredible, and I can't wait to see what they have in store for the future. To unwrap the hottest treats and mouthwatering scenes, visit twisties.com and find them on Twitter at twisties and Instagram at twistiestreats. Okay, we're back. So, Misha,
1: you moved from performing to directing. So, can you tell us how that transition came about and what it was like for you working behind the camera as opposed to in front of the camera.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so yeah, like I transitioned, but I, but I keep performing. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not done with performing, but like this is another path for me. I always wanted to direct. And um, you know when I was, I was banned from um, returning to America in 2015 when I was trying to come back in 2015 they basically stopped me and sent me back home. Like oh, everybody, uh, knows, yeah. everybody knows, everybody yeah. knows already. Um, so, uh, then I decided that I'm going to do everything to come back. Uh, but obviously they banned me for five years. So that was not mm-hmm. so easy to do. Uh, so I decided I'm going to stay relevant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on performing, but like two years after, three years after, um, I decided to do something else. Like I thought I'm like facing the wall and uh, you cannot really evolve as much in Europe as you can in US. So I was like, okay, what can I do? Like, I feel like I want to do something uh, cool because I know I am uh, able to do uh, something more than just performing and I want to start directing. So uh, I emailed John from Evil Angel and I told him, like, I wrote him a very emotional email that, look, like, I cannot really return to America, uh, but I feel like I am missing something, like, I'm really lacking something. I, I want to feel like I am in charge of my life again, like, um, I actually am able to do some things not like, I am only relying on shoots in Europe or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I needed this 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 strength in me again that I am creating something good and that I am staying relevant and that people see it and people talk about it like not in a in a vain way you know what I mean but more like I am doing something relevant
1: so you want um, to f- you want to feel like I think everybody you want to feel like you have a purpose exactly and that you're being creative and that you have like a path that you're following and you have a goal and you're not exactly. just like on this hamster wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I get exactly.
0: it. Exactly. Um, so, uh, he said, okay, shoot something, show it to me and we will see what we can do with that. So like, then we, we, di- me and Guido, we are partners. Uh, we are directing together. He's my cameraman. Like he's basically, those are our projects. It's not just my projects, but like, I am like coming up with, uh, ideas most of the time, uh, he's the, the man who is able to put this into life because he's just so talented. He's a genius. If it comes to cameras and, and addition and everything. So, um, and also he's very artistic. Uh, we have the same vision. We love the same stuff. So it makes it very easy for us to work together. Um, that's how we made Misha in Exile and Misha in Exile was actually title uh invented by John because I didn't know how I should name my first movie how I should title it I was like I want it to be emotional and like you know like I'm coming back <laughs> from today yeah, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. I just need something that would be good but also I'm like English is not my first language so I don't want to be like cheesy or anything like I want it to be good so John was like after two minutes, that I told him that he was like, "Oh, how about in Exile?" I'm like, "Ooh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that's good." Um, And we filmed it in in Spain. We f- we were filming it like eight months because we were taking breaks between each scenes. It had five scenes in it. We were taking breaks uh, because I don't know. That was my first movie, and also I wanted it to be perfect. So I direct. Uh, we filmed one scene. Edited it, sent to John. He said, that's amazing. That's like one of the best things I've ever seen. Directed for Evil Angel. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm really happy to hear that. And then we directed other scenes and we released Mishrain Exile. And then I was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. Like it basically gave me purpose again. Like it made me feel so alive. It's just like, I can't even explain that it, 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 good, it did so many, uh, it did so, so much good to me. I felt like I'm in charge of my life again. Uh, I have so much power again. I want to direct. I, this is all that I want to do right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the movie specifically? Yeah. Like who was in it, what the scenes were like?
0: Yeah. Um, so it's all Gonzo, but like with all those beautiful, kind of like a video clip teasers. Um, mm-hmm. So that was my showcase because I wanted, I wanted it to be my showcase because I wanted to be back in the US industry because I haven't been in the US industry for so long. Like that's just ridiculous. And there's nothing that I could do about it. So it was like, I need to do a showcase to let people know if, if there are people out there who don't know that I'm still shooting because obviously I'm in Europe and a lot of people don't follow European porn. Um. Mm -hmm. I need to let them know that I am still alive And uh, I'm okay
1: <laughs> Yeah
0: um, So that was a showcase And uh, I had Eric Everhard in it uh, Ramon Nomar um, uh, Oh my god Lutra! I think he's a performer from Prague um, And I had Dolly Dior in it In a freesome scene with Ramon So yeah I think I used also Eric. So all
1: the scenes were starring you Yes yeah. But you got to direct your own showcase basically. Yes. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that's great. Now yeah. a lot of girls don't necessarily get to do that.
0: I, I think that is awesome. When you're given the chance to do it, that's the best mm-hmm. thing to do because you're your own boss. Like, yeah, this is the best thing because you know, your buddy and you know who you like to work with and you, you know what kind of scenes turn you on. Um, you know, like for example, if I'm being booked by someone else and they send me a script and I read it and it's ridiculous, and I'm like, oh my god. I would never ever yeah. shoot something like that or, or, or film right. anything, but it's your vision and obviously I will do it. And this mm-hmm. way you can do whatever you want to do.
1: hmm <clears throat> So you've so have you you've directed other titles since then, correct?
0: Yeah, I did Elements and then we did Bacchanalia. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. Do you have any, well, I know we're in quarantine. Nobody's shooting. Yeah, right now, but do you yeah. have, do you, uh, do you have any ideas for what do you think you'll be doing anymore? Yeah, like we want it. We want year? it. Actually,
0: yeah. Well, I can't really or say anything. next year, <laughs> maybe next year. Or
1: how about 2022? Yeah. I know. Right. <laughs>
0: right. I don't know. We were planning to come to LA, uh, with Guido and shoot another one in America with American performers. Hmm. We were planning to come in May.
1: (laughs) So let me put it this way. Yeah, that didn't happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Also, I cannot get my visa renewed in my passport because all the embassies around the world are closed. And the only thing they tell you is that we don't know when we're going to open again.
1: Yeah, that sounds like pretty much everything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about what's different from European porn and American porn because a lot of people in the American porn industry aren't familiar with how European Mm -hmm. porn works. And specifically, I wanted to ask you because another thing that is a very hot topic right now is, is racism in American porn Mm -hmm. specifically. And from my understanding, the kind of labeling that we do with interracial and, Mm -hmm. you know, girls charging more to shoot interracial and girls refusing to do interracial, I hear that's not really a thing in Europe.
0: Um, well girls charge more for interracial in Europe. So they do do I that. believe it's like a worldwide thing. Okay. Um, not all of them. Like it's not it's not as common as in America because nothing okay. is as common in Europe, in porn, as in America. Like I mm-hmm. always call European porn industry a very like a, like a ugly sister of American foreign industry. Like the
1: ugly ugly stepsister.
0: Exactly. Redheaded stepchild. (laughs) Right? Like they want to make it legit. Well, it is legit, but like it's not working properly. It's not as professional as it is in America. Like uh, main difference is um, that you're not really represented by agencies. We have agencies but uh, it's not like uh, like you have in America like Spigler OC, right? Or like ADMLA.
1: Yeah, they're kind mm-hmm. of more... One thing I noticed, because I've shot in mm-hmm. Europe a few mm-hmm. times. I used to go and shoot in Prague every year. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I noticed that was a big difference was that one girl could be with several agencies. Right, yeah. It that's was very thing. confusing to me because here you have one agent and you sign a contract with them. Exactly. And if you try to work with another agent, like you'll get sued. But agents here also, I mean, they're at least supposed to, they don't always do, but they also are supposed to act like kind of as managers mm-hmm. as well. And like give you advice on how to build your career and that right. kind of thing.
0: Well, yeah. Career. That's another good word because you are totally able to make a long time career in America. Mm. Europe, not so much. Nobody really knows what a word career means. Like, they don't care about awards, they don't care about nominations. So, um, if you win an award, if you're a performer, if you win an award like AVN, best foreign female performer, no one really cares. They don't put this on the website next to your name that you want something. Uh, When they book you, they mostly ask, How much do I need to pay? Mm. Um, Yeah, like, uh, obviously, they know straight away that if you have awards or nominations, You will probably ask for more money, so they don't even ask if you're available. Uh, Agencies, they don't even say you're available when you're in town or like if anyone asks for you. They will only recommend, um, I call them like pets. So there are like few girls, for example, in Budapest or in Prague, they're like, they live there and they are kind of like exclusive to the agency five or six girls and they will always recommend them. Even if, for example, Misha cross is in Prague. She's available to be booked. No one's going to say a word because mm. they need to, uh, push, push, you know, all those girls who are exclusive to them for whatever mm. reason. Um, another thing is you never get the, um, you know, that those emails that you send before the shoot to everyone involved. The shoot. Yeah. We, we never get that. I, I was I, like, I got it when I was in LA, my agency was asking me if I want to do the booking. And I said, yeah. And then they sent me this call sheet and I'm like, Oh my God, that <laughs> looks
1: amazing.
0: <laughs> wow. I know who I'm going to work with. I know how much money I, I mean, well, I always ask for money. So like, that's my, that's my big advantage. Yeah. I always, you ask know, for
1: wardrobe, money. the kind but, like, of scene exactly with where
0: I'm shooting, uh, oh God, the script funny. and everything. And in Europe, it's like, hey, this guy asked if you want to do this and that. And I'm like, okay. Okay, then tomorrow, this address, 9 a.m. This is all the info you're getting. I don't know how yeah. hard it is for them to make it like in America. Maybe they just don't care. Or or maybe they just want to take advantage of girls. Uh, I don't know. I mean, do the,
1: do the producers even create call sheets? no.
0: No okay. one cares. No yeah, one cares. Yeah, a very I,
1: – I think also too like because, you know, a huge portion of the adult industry mm-hmm. in the U.S. is based in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. L.A. is the production hub, you know, that's Hollywood. And that's yeah. like the base of pretty much all of the major entertainment all over the world. Right. So a lot of us come from a background of having worked in mainstream oh, and yeah. following right. certain protocols. So that's yeah. just kind of natural.
0: Yeah,
1: to us. But yeah, we have very detailed call sheets and we always make sure we send it out at least a week in advance so the girl mm-hmm. knows what's going on. The right. agents don't always pass it on to the girl like they're mm-hmm. supposed to, or they send right. it the day before, but yeah, we always send out- Yeah, but
0: that's like another out- thing, right? Because you yeah. have those call sheets.
1: Yeah. I mean, we even <laughs> ask girls like if they're like, allergic to certain kinds of food, so we know mm-hmm. like what kind of food to get. If they're vegan, like, oh, we yeah. bring vegan food. like we're very specific
0: oh my god do you know what the only company that ever asked me uh that ever sent me a call sheet um ever the only one and they were like there was food preference if i'm allergic to anything any lube or any food or anything that was um vr cosplay you know them oh wow they're americans right i think or they should in europe as well
1: so, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know them.
0: Yeah, like, I I know they shoot a lot in America, uh, but they also had a team in Spain, and they were shooting in mm-hmm. Spain, and that was the only company uh, that sent me a call sheet.
1: <laughs> wow, that must have been really impressive. Yeah,
0: I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now we're talking. I thought That's I was so- going somewhere away from Budapest to the Hungarian village shooting a POV with a guy.
1: <laughs> That's so funny because... We totally take that for granted here, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that's exactly what we do.
0: Yeah. But that's why also so. I, I stopped shooting in Europe. Like, I am not as mm-hmm. active in Europe as I was in the beginning because I very soon realized how different it is. And um, and it's just not worth it. And it also, it's just, um, you know, people taking advantage of you and also all the stress coming along w- with that, with that lack of information or... Once I was even sent to a shit that I was not even, I I was not sure if it was not, um, you know, like a meeting or
1: something. Like an escorting gig. Yeah, I am. You show up and it's one guy and a camera in a hotel room and you're like.
0: Even today, I am not sure what it was. And it was sent through an agency in Budapest. I arrived. The guys were like, um, I think they were hangover. Uh, mm-hmm. there were two guys there and then our shoot started. Like obviously they gave me food. They gave me not alcohol, but like they gave me drinks and it was fun. And then the shoot started and they were wearing like, you know, those uh, hats that cover your face. Mm-hmm. I was, you know what well, I mean? like a mask. Oh, you want to rob a bank. <laughs> oh, like a ski mask. And I was like, oh, I am not sure what, what's happening. And they said, Oh, this is how the website's going to look like, because this is the theme for our movies and I'm like
1: guys oh. in ski masks. Yeah. And was like, it like, was it like a non consent, like fake rape scene? No, no, no. It thing? was like,
0: I, it was like, I came to the room. I was like being, uh, just normal. It was not anything like weird, but like they were wearing those ski masks. And I asked them why are you wearing them? You don't want to show your face or like, are you amateur production or like, what is this? Oh, this is the theme because you know we have these guys not not co- covering their faces, blah blah blah. And I'm just like, I I remember I WhatsApp watched, I watched my agent, my agent, and she was like, "Oh, it's fine, you know. So many girls shot with them. It's fine."
1: Hmm.
0: That was like one of my first shoots, and like obviously everything was fine. Nothing weird happened. Uh, and I know that those guys are still shooting. Like, they are still shooting. They are filming. They are booking girls. Uh, they are going out for dinners with agents, with producers. So um, that's even weirder to me, if you know what I mean. Have you seen the website? No, obviously not. I don't even know how it's called anymore. Guyswithskimasks.com? So yeah. <laughs> it's not an <laughs> that weird com. fetish. <laughs> It's a proper porn shoot, not an escort.com. I don't even know what it was, but it was well, weird. And to this day, I don't know. I don't know what it was. And you see, this, this, is, this is the difference between American and your industry. You're never sure what you're getting into.
1: <laughs> yeah. Though, to be fair, we have some agents that here on this end will also send girls on sketchy bookings. But, mm-hmm. you know, those are becoming fewer and far between. If you stick with the bigger more mainstream talent agencies, they, you know, are pretty particular about who they work with and, Mm -hmm. and, and they'll vet, uh, producers. But yeah, that's, that's weird. Maybe it was some kind of like, I don't know. Maybe it was a ski mask fetish. I mean, everybody's got a fetish for something. And speaking of, we're going to go to a commercial break, but when Mm -hmm. we come back, I know you have some stories for, from interesting fetish custom videos that you (laughs) shoot for your only fans and those are always like so interesting to me so hang on guys we'll be right back hey eva my trusty sidekick and rock star production manager hi holly why thank you what a lovely intro it's almost as if i wrote it myself that's because you did do you remember that time we watched my blowjob video on my la porn life you
2: mean on our super secret side podcast my la porn life that only patreon members have access to that's the one i mean it still gives me nightmares so yeah and for as
1: low as five bucks a month you can have nightmares too you say nightmare the world says dream come true i mean to be fair the perks that come with your patreon membership are a dream that is true you get free art books, t-shirts, mugs, signed photos of podcast guests, and early live access to all of my podcasts weeks before their release. So if you want to help support Holly Randall Unfiltered, indulge in some super secret podcast hilarity, and get really cool gifts sent right to your door, head over to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered and pick the tier that's right for you.
2: Literally for the price of a mediocre coffee, you get monthly access to all these awesome things. Once again, that's www.patreon.com slash slash Unfiltered. See you on the other side.
1: Welcome back. So, Misha, I know that you have been shooting a lot of custom videos for your personal content platforms, especially during this time of quarantine. Mm -hmm. And I love talking about custom porn requests because they're always so interesting. And I think it's such a valuable insight into, you know, the human mind and this strange multifaceted human sexuality that uh that we experience, so what have been some of the strangest custom videos that you've been requested to do, and what are the most common ones
0: um yeah, so m- one of the most common ones like obviously boy girl scenes that's not even a fetish mm. it's like it's what what yeah, it's guys just like want or like j o ys Guys, love Jer- jerk
1: off instruction for of people instructions. who don't know.
0: Yeah, jerk off instruction is basically when a girl records herself um, doing some dirty talk and telling you how to touch yourself, how to make yourself come. Mm-hmm. Like when I first heard about it, because uh, I only found out about JOIs like a year ago. When I started my OnlyFans and my Snapchat, I had no idea what this is. I had to Google it. I had to search it on like online. I had no idea how to do it. And I saw other girls doing very successful, doing so well in shooting JOIs. I was actually uh, amazed that guys want to see us girls telling them how to touch themselves and how to make them come. Like, I would never, ever even think about something like that. I don't know.
1: I don't know if you, <laughs> you'd figure it these guys watch porn, so clearly they know how to touch themselves. Yeah, but that's a a lot of practice. Yeah, but that's like a fetish. They
0: want a girl Mm -hmm. to tell them how to do it, even if she has no idea how to say it. Like, you know, because I don't have a penis. I might not tell you correctly how to do it. And every
1: guy's, yeah, and every guy's different on how they like to be touched and And what they're sensitive to.
0: Sometimes I just, I I even, you know, ask myself like, oh my God, am am I doing it right? Like I am telling them this and that. Like I'm saying, oh, now I don't know, like, rub the the head of your cock or something like do they like it i don't know but it doesn't matter apparently because all they want is to is to see you telling them all those dirty things that's what's mm-hmm. turning on for them mm-hmm. um so but that's like a common fetish another uh, well a weird fetish was um i've never heard about it i don't know if you heard about it but apparently there are people out there who are into um seeing girls carrying other girls
1: yes the carrying fetish oh my god oh yes. I know all about this. It's really bizarre
0: that's bizarre that's like i had this guy on my snapchat he was like subscribing back and forth only to ask me this question if i'm able to shoot this custom for him uh he was always asking the same question like he thought i would not remember him or something he had the same name on snapchat
1: you're like, dude. You've asked me several times yeah. one very specific custom yeah, video. I, I nobody I else has asked. Her. Yeah.
0: So he always asks, like, "Oh, can you can you shoot with this girl? Do you think you can carry her? Oh, that would be so hot if you carried her. Like, oh, but also COVID, you know." I don't really (laughs) trouble.
1: Yeah, that's true. Does he, cause I, I I know girls that have done this, like girls who would like years ago, I think Mm -hmm. Danielle Trixie was the first person who told Mm -hmm. me about it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, back when everyone, the only place to do this kind of stuff was clips for sale. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, they don't even care if you're naked. They Mm -hmm. just want to see you carrying the other person. It's not
0: even like sexual. If you think about it, it's not sexual for you, but it's apparently very sexual for them. You can be yeah. wearing like a, you know, jacket and boots. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. And then there was, um, uh, well, the guys, the, the feet guys, obviously, they want their name yeah. written on on my soles or like, I don't know, whatever. Like, it's just a picture of my feet, like with their name on it. And they apparently mm-hmm. jerk off to it. But um, fetish is big. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> it's just crazy. But also a lot of weird guys who ask for really weird stuff that I would never mm-hmm. do. You yeah. know, the taboo things. I had no idea how many people out there like dirty stuff. Mm. Like proper dirty stuff.
1: So like, like, like
0: what? Like.
1: Number two, you know what I mean? Oh, the poop shitting thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, I have a, so everybody who listens to my podcast knows I have a specific guy who writes to me like once a year to see if I've changed my mind. Oh my God. A very well written, eloquent email about how he wants to eat my poop. Oh my God. It, yeah, he calls it toilet, my toilet treats. Yeah. Or he calls it uh, like scat caviar. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh my God. I heard this name before. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's written to a few girls. But uh, every time he comes back to me and he's just like, hey, I want to see if you change your mind. I'm willing to offer you more money.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I don't even have
1: to be there to see you do it. We can just rent a hotel room. You can go like poop in a silver dish and then leave. And then I'll enjoy like a hot meal. It's Oh my
0: God. Isn't wow.
1: I? And I wonder honestly, if it's just like for him, like if I said yes, mm-hmm. if he would actually follow through or if he just gets off on writing these emails to people. Oh, Like yeah. I'm not entirely sure if he even is interested in eating my scat caviar or if he just <laughs> likes the idea that like, I would read and talk about this, you know?
0: Oh my God. That is, that is a very good point. Actually, there, there's yeah. a lot of guys out there that just get off to writing really long custom requests uh, yeah. and they write it and, and you know, you know, like they have a heart on writing it and it doesn't even yeah. matter if you do it like he just needed to write it just to release Mm -hmm. this tension. Yeah, I I had a guy like that, a fit guy again, Um, and I received a long-ass essay, like, what he wants, what kind of angles, like, what kind of poses, and all of that. It was so long, I would need to be paid to read that.
1: (laughs) But, like,
0: yeah, I am pretty sure that's what he's into just like writing this and just, you know, like imagining all of that. That's another fetish writing custom requests.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. That's like a fetish all on its own. (laughs) Right. So uh, you as a woman having performed in front of the camera Mm -hmm. and behind the camera, um, how do you feel like, how do you feel ultimately about porn and about sex? Like, can it be empowering for women, or is it ultimately exploitative? What's your opinion?
0: Um, I believe it's very empowering, but other people make it exploitive. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, because, um, well, when I do porn, when I decided to do porn, I I knew it will be empowering for me because I like sex. I use sex to make money. I know how to do it. I always felt. Sexual, but I always felt also like I want to make money with my body and it's completely fine. And I never saw anything bad about it. It made me feel really good. It made me feel so good to wake up every day and get pretty in front of the camera. Like it was boosting my ego as well and made Mm -hmm. me feel really good about myself. But then other people made it, made me feel as if it's something wrong. That I shouldn't be doing it, and there is something wrong with you that you're feeling good about it. So, mm-hmm. um, well, if you feel like it's empowering, that's one thing. But then, um, but then we get overcasted by others' people opinion, by mainstream opinion about sex work. Uh, so, d- duality is very real in this. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, the stigma is definitely mm-hmm. real and it's infuriating for me because, you know, when you, uh, I've said this many times, mm-hmm. people are probably sick of me hearing, <laughs> hearing you say it, but I think it's really important to recognize that everybody experiences everything differently. Exactly.
0: That's and a, that
1: yeah. we are all different people right. and that we all come to you know this a similar situation right. with a different attitude and a different opinion, and everybody's opinion is valid, right? And everybody's experience is valid, right. but just because you don't enjoy the idea or if you've done it performing in porn in front of the camera, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to, but that doesn't mean that another person can't enjoy it, and mm-hmm. you we we always project our own internal biases on other people. And we right. always think like, well, I could never do something mm-hmm. like that. If I did that, I would feel dirty and used. So that must be how she feels because mm-hmm. she should feel exactly the way I do because yeah. I can only imagine the world in my own little brain right. and everybody thinking the same way that I do. So – you know, there's no way that she could possibly feel differently than Mm -hmm. me because I can't imagine a planet where people have different opinions than I do and different experiences than I do. And that's to me, incredibly frustrating because if you do porn, like here's a great example. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Mia Khalifa has been trending Mm -hmm. online again. And, you know, she keeps talking about how she had a really terrible experience in porn. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that she didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, and she very much regrets it. Yeah, I don't want to say that, you know, I'm not going to say that she didn't. Um, If she had a bad experience, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I really feel for her. And, you know, I wish that, you know, she can hopefully move past it and continue on with her life in a different way. But, you know that doesn't mean that other that all women have that experience right. i think that you know people take a story like that and they use it to paint this overall broad reaching picture of like her experience is like everybody else's right. but all the other girls just don't realize it yet Like they're not aware that they're having a bad experience because they're on drugs or they're being pushed into a Mm -hmm. a boyfriend or because of money or just because they're mentally incapable of recognizing that. And that's really annoying because that takes uh, the power of choice away from women. And I find that inherently sexist in itself. So,
0: Right. And this is not what feminism is at least right to me like yeah when I was growing up I always wanted to do whatever the fuck I wanted to do and I believe that was feminism like that's a shortcut really but like that was yeah. feminism to me and now with the modern feminism whatever whatever that's called it's like um, Slut shaming, you know, like, oh, so I'm not in charge of my body anymore. Like, wait, yeah, didn't we like fight for it for all those years that I am yeah. able to do whatever I want with my body? And now you're saying like no, because uh, I am serving a man who's directing the movie. Like, that's just that's just nonsense to me. So I if if someone asked me if I'm a feminist like in 2020, I would definitely say no, because I just don't stand for. Whatever's being um whatever's being um uh, stated by mother feminists right now,
1: yeah, I mean it depends on what your idea of what feminism means, so we mm-hmm. actually have a really great term um that is I think really appropriate for uh describing the kind of feminism that you're talking about, mm-hmm. which is so we call these women swerfs okay. so they're sex exclusionary mm-hmm. um radical feminists. Okay. So they're feminists and they believe in women having charge of their own body and making their own decisions, except when it comes to sex work. Okay. Right. 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 That doesn't count. You know, you can make all the choices, (laughs) right. You can make all these choices about your own body Mm -hmm. in all these different ways, Yeah, except for when it comes to sex, Yeah, because you couldn't possibly enjoy sex as a woman because it's all for men. And so it's just like, it's really backwards, but- Yeah, it just, you know, it depends on what you determine feminism is. Like, if Mm -hmm. you decide, if feminism to you, to me, like, feminism is just about, like, trying to balance the inequality between men and women, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So, therefore, like, I would say that, yeah, sure, I'm a feminist. I mean, and in the example of, you know, whether or not women are exploited by porn, like, Mm -hmm. do you ever see people rallying for getting men out of porn? Do you ever hear about that? You never hear about like all these poor men; they're being made to do. They got to keep their dicks hard all day, and then they got to take Viagra, and like, and you know, it's a thing. Like, men can be exploited by porn, but people don't talk about that because men have always been seen as being like these strong creatures that understand the decisions that they're making and can bear the responsibilities. But you know, women, we still cast them in this victim role, Mm -hmm. um, who can't. Sorry, I go. You get me talking about this, and I go fucking on. It's. it's, I know. I'm it's a really
0: up. great topic to <laughs> talk about. I love this topic. Yeah. But yeah. like, but also like when you, when you go on Instagram, um, simple, simple example, like, uh, when a porn star, uh, posts a picture uh, of her being pregnant, mm-hmm. right? All the comments, like 99% of the comments are like, who's the daddy? That, oh, is, yeah. that is so like, you know what? I don't even go on Instagram anymore. Uh, when I know there is some controversial controversial shit going on in the comments. Like, I don't even open that because I am boiling. I am (laughs) enraged. I just, I I don't even, like, want to start this. This makes me so angry. And then I go on uh, male performers, only uh, Instagram accounts, and it's like, you know, they just praise those guys. Like, oh, man, you're the dude. Like, you know, completely different story.
1: So. Are you talking about men, like male performers who are fathers? Yeah, who are fathers or
0: like whose girlfriend is pregnant.
1: They're like, right.
0: oh, you're going to have a baby or oh, you're the man, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You
0: know, like two different stories completely. So like this is this is just horrid to me. I am getting so mad just even thinking about yeah. it. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah there's a lot of there's a uh, lot of that yeah there's still a lot of inequality between men and women but you know
0: but also women is always a property of a man because yeah also in the comments you can find um people writing oh remember this is someone's daughter this is someone's sister so woman is always uh a property of a man that this is, is what true. describes us <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know what? That's true. I never actually thought about it Mm -hmm. specifically in that way. Because you never see, again, it's the same thing. Flip the script. You see a male performer, you never see. It's like, this is somebody's son. No. And he's out there banging all these chicks. Right. No, you never see that. It's terrible. You never hear that. It's always about, yeah, you're right. It's always about the woman being owned by somebody's. Yeah. And it's always like, you're right, someone's daughter, someone's sister. Yep. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Anyways, well, thank you so much, Misha, for coming on. It was really good to see you. That
0: was amazing. Thank you. So can
1: you tell everybody where they can find you on social media, plug any websites that you want to plug, anything like that?
0: So you can find me on my free socials on Twitter. It's xmishacrossx. Instagram is the same. It's xmishacrossx. And I have OnlyFans as we (laughs) spoke about it. Um, it's, uh, dot com, and you can also find it linked on my Twitter and on my Instagram. So this is where I'm shooting right now, um, during quarantine. Uh, so we can ask maybe for a crazy custom, like maybe carrying a girl or anything like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> carrying a girl while eating poop at the or same time poop. and having your name on the bottom of her feet. So many <laughs> yeah. options. <laughs> and you guys can follow me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. If you want to support this podcast, as always, you can go to patreon.com slash unfiltered. Don't forget. I have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups, slash unfiltered. And of course, go to HollyRandallUnfiltered.com. Join my mailing list where you can keep up to date on all the news about the podcast and everything that's coming up. Thank you guys so much for watching. Misha, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's so much fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course. See you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash hru and you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not safe for work website, hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Next week on the podcast, I have OnlyFans and Twitter sensation, Savannah Solo. If you don't know who Savannah Solo is, definitely go check her out. Her Twitter page is freaking hilarious. She does these fantastic commentaries on what it's like to be a sex worker and the way that the public generally reacts to you. Her stuff is just brilliant. And because of her incredibly warm and engaging personality, she's literally skyrocketed to fame on the very popular website OnlyFans and she only just joined in January. So we're going to talk to her about what is her secret, how she was so successful in such a short amount of time and what keeps her inspired. So make sure that you come back next week for Savannah Solo on Holly Randall Unfiltered.